Good morning. How's everybody doing on all of our campuses? I want to welcome all of you at all five of our campuses this morning. And if this is your first day with us, hey, we just want to say welcome because we're in our last week of a conversation that we've been calling What Happy Couples Know. And, um, and here's the thing about this conversation. If you missed any of the previous ones, uh, we would encourage you to make sure that you go online or where you can watch or listen to our website or you can even go to our app. But as we said each week, uh, basically the premise for this conversation is this statement right here. The best marriages get the most maintenance. Now, now, here's what we know when we say that is it doesn't sound like really sexy or romantic advice, but it really is to truth. The best marriages really do get the most maintenance. Now, here's the thing that you need to understand about that. If you talk to any couple whose marriage that you admire and, and they tell you like, man, they have this great marriage and, and you look at their marriage and here's what you'll discover if you have a conversation with them. They will tell you they have a great marriage because they work on their marriage consistently. See, there are just some things that happy couples know that they just have to continually work on in their marriage. In fact, in week one, we, we talked about one of those things, and in week two, we talked about one of those things. Week one, we said happy couples have to learn how to fight forward, and then last week, we said that happy couples have to learn how to applaud the differences. That is something that they continually work on, and as I said, make sure if you missed either one of those conversations, you go back and you listen to them online or either on our app. Now, today, we're going to talk about another thing that happy couples know that they have to continually work on, that there's, there's a lot of maintenance with this. They have to continually make sure they're maintaining this, and here it is. It is choose trust. Now, here's the reality about this choose trust thing. Every one of us, whether you're married or you're not married, we make a decision every day in all of our relationships, but especially in our marriages, to choose trust or to assume the worst. And oftentimes, it's not even conscious, or we're not even consciously aware that we are making this decision to either choose trust or assume the worst. But here's the reality. The decision that you make, whether it's consciously or not consciously, about this whole issue of trust has a very significant impact on every relationship that you have, especially your marriage relationship. Now, here's kind of what trips us up about this whole choose trust thing when it comes to our marriage relationship. This decision about trust is one of those things that probably when you first got married and you're standing at the altar and, you know, you're like promising your love to each other forever. I mean, at that moment before then and at the altar and maybe even a few months afterwards, I mean, you just got this right in your relationship with your spouse. Because the reality is you most always chose to trust whenever there was like a gap between what you expected and whatever you were experiencing in your relationship. I mean, like when you're dating, it's just like, oh yeah, I love them so much and I know they have the best intentions. And, and then on your marriage day, it's like, I love them so much, I know they have the best intentions. And after you're married, it's like, I love them so much. I believe they had the best intentions. And what happens is, over time, we all have a tendency to kind of drift from choosing trust. And here's the thing that happens. Whenever life comes along and all of a sudden there's like the pressures of the work schedule and there's the pressure of the marriage and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're going to have a baby and you really have a baby and then life gets really, really hectic. And then it's like, 
They didn't keep their word. They didn't do what they said they were going to do. And over a period of time, as I said, we all have this tendency to quit choosing trust. And here's what you need to understand. When you quit choosing trust, you begin the process of undermining your marriage. And then this is just kind of ba basically how it happens. See, when we get married, we all come into our relationship, our marriage relationship, and we have all these hopes, and we have these dreams, and we have these desires. And from our perspective, that's all they are. They are hopes, and they are dreams, and they are desires. And to us, our hopes and our dreams and our desires, I mean, they just seem so light, and they seem so happy, and they seem so tangible, and we think everybody should want to be a part of my hopes, dreams, and desires, especially my spouse. And, and even more, as we look at our hopes, dreams, and desires, we go, oh, they would be so easy to fulfill. But you know what happens when we take our hopes and our dreams and our desires and we hand them to someone else to fulfill? They always feel like expectations to them. They don't feel like hopes, dreams, and desires. Don't miss this. From the perspective of the person on the other side of me, from the perspective of the person on the other side of you, when we start to hand them our hopes and our dreams and desires, it begins to feel like expectations to them. And then, once we've handed them to them and they don't fulfill them, when there's like this gap between what we expect from them and what we're experiencing from them, there is this tendency to make decisions and to react to our spouse in a way that begins to undermine our marriages. So the question is, what do we do? What do we do when we're in that season of our marriage and our relationship where we are no longer choosing trust? And how do we choose trust when there's a gap between what we expect from our spouse and what we are experiencing from our spouse? Well, to answer that question, the good news is God has something to say about it. So we're going to look at a passage of Scripture this morning that the Apostle Paul wrote, and it's often called the love chapter. You can find that in your Bibles this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 if you want to follow along there, or we're going to put the words to the Scripture up here on the screen. Now, the reason we want to look at this today is because most of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it makes a lot of sense when it comes to how we treat each other, how we should act and interact in relationships. But there are four statements that the Apostle Paul makes in one of the verses of this chapter that could just really like seem naive or it could sound like bad relational advice, or you might even look at that and go, wow, according to Henry Cloud, this is not good boundaries, you know? This is, this is a help, help set good boundaries. So what we want to focus on this morning is that we're going to discover that these four statements, even though they may seem a little bit naive or maybe not seem like good relational advice, they are driving home this big truth. And it's a truth that happy couples know. It's the secret to choosing trust whenever there's a gap between what you expect and what you experience. So let's start reading, beginning in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, and we'll work our way to these four statements. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, love is patient, love is kind. And most of us go, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense relationally. Yeah, I mean, if you love somebody, yeah, it works better if you're patient, and it works a whole lot better if you're kind. But he keeps going. He says, it does not envy, 
It does not boast. It is not proud. And most of us go, yeah, I wouldn't argue with that. I mean, envy, boastfulness, pride. I mean, that doesn't help any kind of relationship. That only hurts a relationship. He says, it does not dishonor others. And most of us go, yeah, I'd agree that our marriage will go better if we don't dishonor each other. But truth is, our marriage will go a whole lot better if we give each other honor. I mean, that just builds somebody up and, and makes them better. So yeah, we, we agree with that. And then he goes on, he says, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. And all of us, at some point in time, in some place in our life, we struggled with anger and we've experienced anger in our relationship. So we know that anger is not a helpful kind of thing. But then he says, it keeps no record of wrongs. And you don't really need to nudge anybody right beside you, but the reality is, all of us at some point in time in our marriages tend to be a little historical, don't we? Not hysterical necessarily, but historical. I mean, we just kind of go back and replay the tapes for them. Well, you did this and you did this. And, and you know that the more you replay those tapes and you keep going back, the more you tend to undermine your relationship because you quit choosing trust. But then he goes on. He says there's more. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, in other words, he's like, you celebrate, you rejoice with the truth, you celebrate the good in the other person. And we're all thinking, oh man, that is great relational advice. I mean, all of this stuff that we just read, it works great for relationships, but man, it even works better in a marriage. But then the Apostle Paul, he makes four statements that are all about driving to this one big point, this one truth that is so important. And here's what he says. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. And if you really stop and think about that, based on your past relational experiences, you might stop and think, well, that sounds a little bit naive. That, that just... Is that even good relational advice to follow? I mean, I'm not even sure that's even healthy relational advice. Not even sure that that helps to set good boundaries. Like, really? Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Like, always? Do you really mean always? Like, do you really trust someone even when all the evidence just seems like contrary to what, you know, any kind of evidence to give you reason to trust? I mean, like, do you really keep on persevering no matter how badly that you're being treated? I mean, is that what love is? And when you read it, you go, yeah, it's kind of what it sounds like. But I don't think that's what the Apostle Paul is exactly communicating here. You gotta take all four of these statements and see them as one big picture. So what we're gonna do for the next few minutes is, is try to explain to you what the Apostle Paul is getting at, and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna read these verses or these four statements again through kind of a new lens or a new grid for what we're gonna, what we're gonna discover, and that is this. As we said when we started today, basically what happens, in every relationship, two things exist. 
what we call our hopes, dreams, and desires, literally what other people see as our expectations. And then the other thing that exists is their behavior. And at some point along the way, a gap develops between what we expect someone to do and how they behave. For example, you said you'd be home at 5. You didn't get home till 5.30. There's a gap. You said you would take care of those bills. You didn't get them paid on time. There's a gap. Ladies, keep your elbows to yourself. You said you would fix that leaking faucet. The faucet's still leaking two weeks later. Right? There's a gap. It's like, you said you would never do that again, and you're doing the exact same thing again. Listen, in every relationship, especially in the marriage relationship, there are gaps that develop because, like, you promised this when we were dating, or you promised this when we got married, or we talked about this last week, and now you're not following through on what you promised. There's a gap. Or sometimes that gap is created because someone comes into a marriage and, and their expectations are based on, well, that's what my mom always did, or that's what my dad never, or my dad always kind of did, so I expect you to because we did this in my family, but now you're not. And now there's a gap between what I expected and what I'm now experiencing. And, and that gap it can happen with like really important things, really serious kind of things, or it can just be built around simple, everyday kind of things. But gaps between what we expect and what we experience are all part of our marriage relationship. Now, there's a choice that you make all the time when that happens that you're probably not even aware of. Every time there is a gap in your relationship between what you expect and what you experience from your spouse, you are going to fill that gap with something from your mind. And here's what you'll fill it with. You will either believe the best about your spouse and choose trust, or you will assume the worst about your spouse and you'll choose not to trust. So, for example, you, you choose trust, and you go, well, I know she promised she'd do that, but you know what? She's been really busy, and she does so many other things for us and our family, and, and maybe she tried, but she just couldn't work it in or couldn't get it done. I mean, I'm sure that she has a great reason for not doing that. Or, or on the other hand, like, you assume the worst. Like, I can never trust her. Every time I give her something to do, she always messes up. I mean, you just can't depend on her for nothing. Or you choose trust and you go, well, I know he's late again, but I'm sure there's a good reason. I know he'll be here soon. Or, or you assume the worst and you go something like this. Well, he never pays attention to time and he cares so much more about his work than us. And he's probably just talking to his so-and-so and so-and-so at the office again. He always just gets distracted by them. Or you choose trust and you say, yeah. And she went over budget again in several categories, and it probably didn't even cross her mind. I mean, she's got so much on her plate between her job and her kids, and I know she's trying so hard. Or you assume the worst, and you go, I mean, she cannot manage money. 
She's never been able to manage money. Her mama can't manage money, and now she can't manage money. I mean, she didn't even try to stay on budget. She just wants me to break my back and make more money, and then she just spends it all. We're going to have a talk. We're going to fix this when she gets home. And now it goes. See, like every time there's a gap between what you expect and what you experience in your relationship, you immediately fill your mind with something and you put it in that gap. You either believe the best and choose trust or you assume the worst and you get an attitude. And what starts in your mind eventually comes out of your mouth and it communicates something to your spouse. Now, don't miss this. You might want to write this next thing down. There are two things that influence what you tend to fill that gap with. Here they are. One is what you see. The second one is who you are. See, the, the first one's pretty obvious, isn't it? I mean, he didn't get home at 5.30, or she didn't pay the bills on time. It's like, it's what you see. That, that's a pretty obvious kind of thing. The second thing isn't so obvious, and that is who you are. See, it's like he said he's going to do this, he's going to fix the faucet, and he didn't fix the faucet. That kind of influences what you put in this gap. But the thing that most of us do not consider is how you are impacting what you put in the gap. Remember this. This is so important. Remember, we all come into our marriage relationship with our past. Every one of us. I mean, you had like a mom and a dad who were either great or they were not so great. See, you had a family experience that was great or it was not so great. So you come into your marriage relationship with all the baggage from your family, and you come into your marriage relationship with all the baggage from your past relationships. You come into your marriage relationship with all the previous hurts, all the previous joys, all the previous disappointments, all the previous fears of being abandoned, all that hurt or whatever you might have brought from your previous relationship, good or bad. And all of that stuff that you bring from your family of origin or any other relationship that you might have had, it determines who you are and even more important, how you see the world. And here's the big part. Who you are and how you see the world, it influences what you instinctively choose to believe whenever there is a gap between what you expect and what you experience from your spouse. And here's the thing, if you're, if you're married today and you're really honest with yourself, you know it doesn't take very much for your spouse to do something that triggers a strong emotional response in you because of something that you experienced in a past relationship. So what you see and who you are both play a part in how you fill in the gap. And let me just add this one more time. This is so important. Who you are most often plays a bigger part for what you fill the gap with. 
So let me ask you a really important question. This is where it starts getting really practical for us. Which way do you tend to go based on who you are and what you see? Like whenever there's a gap between our expectations, our desires that you have for your loved one and their behavior and what they're doing, do you tend to believe the best and choose trust or do you tend to assume the worst and get an attitude? Like you know exactly how your spouse is. You know what they do. I mean, you're sitting there right now going, oh, I know what they do. But sometimes we have like a harder time figuring out what we do. So maybe if you get a little courageous this afternoon, just ask them. Believe the best. Choose trust, right? I'm sure they'll tell you the truth. See, whenever you get that text, think about it this way. Whenever you get that text again that he's going to be late, Whenever she says, I can't go pick up the kids, whenever you go to the mail and, and you find that notice that the bill wasn't paid or whenever he promised, but he's still not doing what he promised you to do, where does your mind automatically go? Now, some of you are here today and you're sitting, you're thinking, but you, you don't have a clue how bad it is living with my spouse. Like, could I please tell you about my spouse, and then you'll know why I assume the worst and why I always get this bad attitude? Listen, here's what I know. I know many of you, you have a difficult story, but you still need to hear this. But please understand this. They do what they do or have done, and you assume the worst. And in your mind, it's like, you are completely justified because they earned that with their past behavior. And here's the thing. I mean, we've seen enough of life to, to really get that. I mean, we really know what happens in the real, real world, but just hang in with us just for a few minutes and at least kind of consider what, what we're saying here. It's so important. Here's the question again. Where do you mentally go when there's a gap between your expectation and their behavior? Where do you go? Now, here's what we want you to hear. This is so important. He didn't do what he said he would do. She made the same mistake again. But in my mind, instead of assuming the worst, I'm going to come up with the most generous explanation for what they did. I'm going to fill this gap with trust, not suspicion, and I'm going to choose, and I'm going to choose because it is a choice to believe the best about my spouse. You, you have that option, even if they're past history. It's like, no, you don't understand what they've done. In fact, there's this book out by Marcus Buckingham, and he, he calls it, he says, it, it, the title of the book is Find Your Strongest Life, and it's, it's not really even a marriage book, but it's a leadership book that was kind of written specifically for women. But in it, he uses an illustration about marriage that kind of reinforces exactly what we're talking about, how that you, you can shift what's going on in your marriage by shifting what you choose. In fact, he says in every marriage, the couples are going to have some kind of problem. Like she annoys you or he doesn't understand you or he, you wish he'd spend more time like with the family. In other words, basically what he's saying is there is a gap. Now the approach that most people take whenever there's a gap is they try to pinpoint what that problem is. They're going to have this conversation about it and they're going to figure out how to fix it. But if you're, married, you, if you're married, you know that doesn't work, does it? 
And because here's what happens. You know it doesn't work because you, you keep having the same conversations about the same issue over and over again, and he or she gets more defensive and more frustrated every time you have it, and things just keep getting worse and worse and worse until one day you feel like you are miles apart. So Buckingham explains a much better way to handle the gap. In fact, he quotes a study that was done by one of the nation's like leading experts on happy marriages. Her name is Sandra Murray, and she's a professor at the University of Buffalo. And here's what they discovered, he says. In fact, I wrote down part of what they said. It says this, surprisingly, in the happiest of marriage, each partner is not unfailing and unflinchingly honest with each other. On the contrary, in the happiest marriage, each partner, when asked to rate the other on a list of positive qualities such as caring and driven and forgiven and intelligent and focused, winds up rating his or her spouse higher than the spouse themselves. Murray and her colleagues have a fancy term for this. They call this perspective a benevolent distortion or a positive illusion. But what this really, what this finding really means for you is that the first step to a happy marriage is always to look, don't miss this, to always look for the most generous explanation for your partner's behavior, which is what the Apostle Paul was saying. Love always hopes, it always trusts, it always perseveres. He says, so you look for the most generous explanation for your partner's behavior and then believe it. Thus, in your mind's eye, she's not disorganized, she's creative. He's not thoughtless, he's focused. Because you believe the best in him when he does something that upsets you, you don't retreat and look for a way to get back at him. But instead, you reach toward him. And so, over time, your generous perspective creates, get this, this is a powerful statement, your generous perspective creates an upward spiral of love. It gives you conviction. Your conviction leads to security. Your security fosters intimacy, and your intimacy strengthens your love. Do you know what they're basically saying out of this study is this? It's just real simple. They are saying that in every, in every relationship, what we've been saying all morning, is there's going to be a gap. And where you instinctively go in your mind is going to determine the strength of your marriage. The decision you make, and again, it is a decision, it's a choice, but that choice is going to determine whether you are happy together or where, whether you are not. And see, some of you, you're like caught up in this cycle of assuming the worst, and when you get caught up in this cycle of assuming the worst, it's like this self-fulfilling prophecy because you expect him to mess up, and he does, and you get to be right about that again, but it doesn't help your relationship because you're right. Now, I want you to think about this whole idea again, that we choose what we put in the gap. And let me read you these words from the Apostle Paul again. And this is so powerful because when you think about it, 2,000 years ago, God through the Holy Spirit had the Apostle Paul pin some words that is telling us what research is just discovering today. And for some of you, this may be like the key to kind of restoring your marriage that has grown so cold and so distant. And maybe even you are here today or on one of our campuses and you're like, I'm against divorce. And 
We're just going to stay together for the kids, but you're just coexisting, and, and you're not in love anymore, and, and you don't even like it when the phone rings and it's her, or, or you hear him pulling in the garage anymore. It's like, that's just such a burden, because you're just in this cycle of negativity, and there's no love. And the Apostle Paul says, no, 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 no. There is a better way for you to choose to fill that gap. Notice again what he says. He says, love, what does it do? Love, it always protects. Well, what does love always protect? Love always protects the integrity of the relationship. Like, I'm not going to go negative and stay negative in our marriage. I'm going to keep it positive. I'm going to protect keeping us positive in our relationship. I'm going to protect our love, and I'm going to keep it alive. I'm not going negative and just always assuming the worst. So he says, love, it always protects. Love always trusts. Okay, so there's this gap between what I expect and what I'm experiencing, but I'm choosing to fill it with the most generous explanation. I am choosing to trust. And then he says, love, it always hopes. So what does that look like? It looks like, well, I'm confident I am confident that there has to be a good explanation. I mean, he's late again, but there has to be a good reason. She didn't, but I'm sure that she would have if, if she could have. And then love, and this is the big one, love always perseveres. Like, I'm not going to give up on this. I'm going to continue to look for the good. I'm going to get out of this mindset that is always assuming the worst. I'm going to persevere in finding the good in my spouse. So let me ask you, once again, where do you go when there is a gap between what you expect and what you experience? How are you doing at this with filling your mind with loving thoughts? For some of you, maybe he's great at this and, and you're not, or maybe she always cuts you slack, but you don't give her any. How, how are you doing? Not how is your spouse doing, but here's the question. How are you doing? Now, here's what we know. We don't want you to miss this. Every time you choose to assume the worst, do not miss this. Every time you choose to assume the worst, every time you choose to go negative, you are contributing to the demise of your relationship. Now, you're blaming them because he showed up late again, or she didn't do what she said again, or he didn't fulfill this and he promised, and, and, and you're blaming them. But listen, every time you choose to assume the worst, to go negative, you are contributing to the demise of your relationship. And some of you are going, oh, no, 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 you don't understand you don't understand their past history. I think I'm justified to react the way I react. And it doesn't matter if you feel justified or not. You are still a participant. You are still a contributor in the demise of your marriage relationship by going negative because you have chosen what you put in the gap. And here's the thing. Choosing to do what love does 
It doesn't mean that you ignore the issues. It, it doesn't mean that you don't have difficult conversations from time to time. But after that conversation, after you deal with that issue, you immediately go back to filling the gap with trust, not suspicion. You go back to immediately believing the best and choosing trust, not assuming the worst and getting an attitude. And you know why you should do this? You know why you should try this? Here's why. Because this is what we know about your spouse. This is what we know about your fiance or whoever you love. The last thing in the world that they want to do is disappoint you. They really do. I mean, the last thing they want to do is fail at marriage. They never married you to go, oh, I just want to see what kind of epic failure we can create. Listen, I don't care how bad your marriage has gotten. Your spouse doesn't want to disappoint you in their behavior or their reaction. I mean, nobody, nobody wants to be a disappointment to somebody else. But every time you go negative and every time you assume the worst, what you are communicating to your spouse is this. It doesn't matter what they do or how hard they try. They are never going to measure up. They're never going to be good enough. And, and when they start believing that, and, and you start just always assuming the worst and you get in that negative cycle, you just push them further and further away. And again, your pushback is something like this. Well, if they would just fix this one thing or if they would just fix these two things, then I'd stop being disappointed. Like, I've told them plenty of times, if they would just change this and I would get off their back or if they would just fix this and I wouldn't say anything anymore. Here's the thing, that never works. That's, that's not how you eliminate disappointment from your marriage. You eliminate disappointment from your marriage by filling the gap with trust, choosing to believe the best and choosing trust. Because when you do that, instead of communicating, I'm disappointed in you, it communicates, I trust you. And you know what happens when you say to your spouse or anyone, I trust you? You know what it does? It creates margin in the relationship that draws you closer together. Listen, your spouse will live up or live down to your belief in them. They'll live to whatever level you believe in them. I mean, here's, here's kind of how it sounds. Like, honey, like I'm going to be late tonight. Well, that's okay. Take all the time you need. I'll be here waiting. Or, honey, I, I forgot to pay that bill. It, it's okay. Like, you've been really busy doing a whole lot of stuff for our family. We'll, we'll figure out a way how to take care of this. Do you, do you know what that kind of conversation is? It's using the gap to leverage love that draws you and your spouse closer and closer together instead of driving them away by assuming the worst. In fact, don't miss this next point. You want to write it down. The more gaps you have in your marriage relationship, the more opportunities you have to say, it's okay, I love you anyway. Don't miss this. The more gaps you have in your marriage relationship, because there are a lot of you that are sitting here going, oh, we got so many gaps, this will never work. See it this way. The more gaps you have in your marriage relationship, the more opportunities you have to say, it's okay, I love you anyway. Like, who doesn't want to be in a relationship with a person like that? I mean, your spouse wants that. 
I mean, their heart is drawn toward environments of acceptance. And you can do that for them. You can be that for them. You can create that for them. See, happy couples have discovered there are going to be gaps. That's just part of the relationship. They've also discovered that the key is what you put in the gaps. And happy couples have learned or have chosen, they've learned to choose to fill that gap with trust. So once again, where do you tend to go when there's a gap? Like, how can you use these gaps in as leverage to strengthen your marriage instead of to deteriorate it or undermine it? Just do one thing. You choose trust. Now, here's the thing. If you're with us today and, and, and you're not married, we pray that you'll get in this habit of doing that and, and that you'll find someone else who has developed this habit as well and that you'll fall in love and, and you'll do that for each other. And man, you'll have a great marriage because I'm telling you something, folks. There is nothing better than filling your marriage with love by choosing trust. It's one of the ways that you leverage the gaps in your marriage. And here's the reality. Happy couples know that this is how you fill the gap if you want a happy marriage. But happy couples also know it's something that you have to constantly work on and maintain because when they let you down, the tendency is to go negative oftentimes based on our past experience. But happy couples have said, no, no, no. Love, it, it always perseveres. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always protects. That's what happy couples know. Will you bow your heads with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you that when there was a gap in our relationship with you, God, you chose to fill it with love. And you came to this earth and you died on the cross and you rose again and you filled in that gap between us and you with the greatest statement of love that we could ever experience. And I just pray that you'll help every one of us today to say, God, what you have done for us, we're going to do for our spouse. We're, we're going to fill in the gap with love. And we're going to choose trust. We're going to believe the best and, and choose trust instead of assuming the worst and getting an attitude. God, I thank you that through the power of your Holy Spirit, we can live this out. It's the only way we can do it. And so I pray that today you'll help every one of us just to say, Jesus, we, we can't do this without you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. And today we choose to walk out. We're choosing to trust you, God with our lives and with our spouses, and we're choosing to fill the gap with love. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen.